Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. Last week, we talked about the anointing. I tried to get you to understand that you are anointed to accomplish your assignment. Was anybody here last week? Do you remember what we talked about? You're anointed to accomplish your assignment. Whatever that may be, you have work to do, and God has equipped you with the ability to complete your assignment. God sent the Samuel, the prophet, to a house of Jesse to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king of Israel. Jesse gathered all the sons except the youngest, who was David. David was out tending to the sheep, and even though David was not in the room at the time, God still knew how to get a hold of David and said, I've got a special plan upon your life. And so what I'm trying to get across to you is you can be out in the field and God still knows where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're out in the field tending to the sheep, not being in the room where God is anointing. God will call you into the room where the anointing's at if you're yielded to his plan for your life. Were you here last week? And that makes sense. Okay, there were some valuable lessons that emerged from last week, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. I promise you, it will inspire. The goal of last week was to motivate you and encourage you, and I hope you left here about three inches taller. Did you? Did you? Did you? Okay, last week we honed on one word, and that word was the word anointed. We talked about what it means to to be anointed, and I showed you that you are anointed just like David was anointed in the Bible. Today, we are going to continue where we left off last week, looking at the book of 1 Samuel, and we're going to read the whole front page of your notes. It's long, but we're going to refer back to it. So, Adrian, get your readers ready, and let's read what's going on. And basically, what we're going to do is look at what David did to get to where David got. That's the whole point of this series is David killed a giant. We all know about the giant, right? Goliath, David. But what did David do to prepare him to be able to take out that giant? And that's what this series is all about, learning what we need to do, reading between the lines of the life of David that prepared him to, to take out the giant. So let's keep reading a continuation from last week, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Hold on. Saul was the current king, but he was about to be replaced, and he didn't know it. So that's what's taking place here. Keep reading. And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit comes from, or from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him Stop to me. They are talking about David and they are not even using his name. Again, I want to show the point from last week. God will promote you even if no one knows your name. 
Okay, let's keep going. Keep going. All right, keep going. This is good. You guys getting something out here already? You can just read the Bible and we can go home, huh? All right, keep going. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. In the next chapter, chapter 17, we have the story that put David on the map. He kills Goliath. We look at David and say, God used him mightily, but we overlook what happened in David's life to get him to the point where God could use him to take down the giant. Today, we're going to focus on another word And we're going to unfold what this word looks like. And it comes from verse 16 that I have in bold in red. And that is the word skillful. We look at the top of our notes and this is what I need you to understand. God expects me to grow in my gift. God expects me to grow in my gift. I want to show you three things about coming skillful that we can learn early on from the years of David. Have you ever met someone that whenever they do something, they're just like really good at it? Like um, you, you go and they haven't played basketball in 10 years and they go and they pick up a ball and they throw it and it just goes in the hoop. It kind of makes you sick that, that they can do that. No, I'm only one that is not athletic enough to make the ball go in the hoop. Uh, Have you ever seen anybody who, like, they pick up an instrument and it seems like the next day they're playing that thing and it actually sounds, looks, tastes, it actually looks good, sounds good, whatever, it tastes, because I think like a trumpet you blow and whatever, okay. (laughs) Have you ever sat in a meeting that no one, that someone came in that wasn't prepared for and all of a sudden the words that they're saying just penetrate your heart? Yeah. Yeah, I have too. Whenever we, we have people that have a gift, a lot of times we assume that that means that the person didn't have to work at that gift. Because whenever we think of the word gift and we're in this season of the year that we're in, we think of Christmas. Christmas. We didn't have to do anything for that gift. You just show up and you get a gift. That's not the gift that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about a gift that God has put on the inside of you. Maybe you have a gift of communication. You just know what to say and when to say it. Maybe you're like me and you don't have the gift of communication and you know what not to say at the right time and it offends everybody that you're talking to. Anybody else just say something like, I'm trying to help, but it just came out the wrong way altogether. Yeah, no, just, okay. Um, You may have the gift of hurting people no, 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 let me rephrase that, of of helping people who are hurting emotionally. You may have that gift of getting down in the weeds with them and loving on them and caring on them and, and being a part of listening to their story. You may have the gift of humor. Anybody have the gift of humor? Like you just, yeah, 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 you just think you're funny. I mean, I mean, you're funny. You really are funny. Uh, you, 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 you have that gift of humor. There, there was something deceiving about a gift 
And you can be overwhelmed by someone who is operating in their gift, but underestimate what they did to go through the process to become good at using that gift. Okay. When we look at the story of David, it is easy to look at him and say that David was gifted. He, God had a plan for his life, so therefore he was gifted more than anybody else was. But we don't understand that David went through the same process that you and I have to go through. The difference is David paid the price to go through the process. Okay. We talked about it last week a little bit. Your normal can't be like everybody else's just because there is an anointing on you does not mean it will come out of you. You have to develop the anointing and become skillful of what God has deposited in your life. When I first started preaching, it was not terrible, but it was not good. We're just barely above not good anymore, but it's two years of practice and what is taking place is I am doing my best to develop a gift that God has put in me. If God said, I've called you to be a preacher and I sat at home and did not preach, my gift would not be developed. Okay, there is a gift inside of me and that gift will not become skilled if I do not develop that gift. We think it's normal to go to school and learn how to be an architect, learn how to be, I use that because of Caitlin, uh, she's going to be an architect, uh, to become a counselor, to be a teacher. What you're really doing is you're becoming skilled at learning what that process looks like. You, you see no problem with going to 12 years of grade school and all that stuff to become skilled at math and science and literature and all these other things. But when it comes to the call of God in your life, you say, I worked on it on Sunday morning for 30 minutes, and on Monday, nothing has changed. It took you 12 years to learn how to do, I'm not going to say calculus, I still can't do calculus, but it took you a long time to learn how to do the basics of school work, and you sit here and wonder how come you're skilled in one area and not in another area. Okay. Uh, whenever you go through something, or we're going to use the phrase grow through something, um, maybe it would be a parent's divorce, maybe a relationship ends, um, maybe it's verbal, emotional abuse. Uh, you can choose to suffer through those things, or you can choose to grow through those things. We often think that we only become skilled at the things that are good, but you can become skilled at growing through the bad things as well. Uh, I personally believe that we give the devil way too much credit. There are things that we go through that we blame the devil as attacking us, and honestly, may, may, maybe it is, maybe it's, maybe it's a lot of bad choices that we've made, but what if we turned our language around and said, this isn't the, the devil attacking us. Maybe God's going to use this to help me become skilled in a particular area that God knows that I'm going to need later. So we go through something and we sit here and say, God, why are you allowing me to go through it? And God's saying, why aren't you growing through it? I have a, a friend here who just walked out of the room, but she'll be back maybe, I don't know. Um, I met her in her urban, so if that's who she is, she's, she's going, she's, she leave? She's coming back, so I should wait to talk about her? No, I'll talk about her now. And when she comes in, we can all go like, ooh, no, I'm just kidding. I have a friend here who wants to help girls who have been abused. What's her name? What's her name? Oh, 
Alexa? Okay. Okay. I couldn't remember her name. Um, she wants to help girls who have been abused, and that's an absolutely amazing calling, Lexi. Lexa, when she told me this, my first question to her was, have you ever been abused? And she said, well, actually, yes, I have. We were sitting in an urban restaurant talking all this out. And um, I said, how did you get through what you went through? Because she began to tell us a story. And she said, my grandmother went through something similar, and I got myself to a point to tell myself, if grandma could go through it, I could go through it. The amazing thing about Alexa is, not Alexa, that's, yeah. She took the obstacles and turned it into an opportunity. She wants to help others who have gone through something similar. In other words, we could say it this way, she actually went to school, I'm talking about you walking in, sorry. She went to school to learn how to help people who have gone through that and counseling, and she turned a difficult situation into an opportunity to use the gifting that was on the inside of her that she didn't know was the gifting that God had put on the inside of her because when she was going through it, why in the world would God allow me to go through something like this? And if we stay in that mindset, we can't change what God's trying to do, and that's to teach us how we grow through something like this so God can use us the way he needs us to be used. This is going to make a whole lot of sense as we progress through today's message. One of the great things we can learn about the life of David, just because you're anointed does not mean you are proficient at your anointing. People will go through something and they allow it to paralyze them from moving on to what God has called them to do. They say, that thing tripped me up. Why would God let me go through that thing? You got to change your mindset of saying God didn't let me go through anything I made decisions that caused me to go through this and God's allowing this situation to be something that will become the ultimate outcome to become the pinnacle point in my life that I can use this gifting that I am growing through to help every single person who has gone through the same thing I have watched Terrence and Levi play golf every Saturday for the last few weeks they are not proficient at playing golf even though they play all the time There are things that you go through. There are things that you play through. There are things that that you grow through that you become proficient at the more that you do it. It's not their gift. Know when to let the gift die. I'm just kidding. If you are going to become proficient at your calling, if you are going to become proficient and operating in the anointing that God has for your life, let's look at David and see what David did to become that way. Let's look in your notes. And what we're going to look at first today is how do we become skillful with my gift? Write down number one. If I'm going to become skillful with my gift, operate with diligence. David was a harp player. David had to have practiced his harp in order to be good enough that the king needed a personal musician. If you were the first person that the king's men think about, I bet that means you're pretty good at playing a harp. 
But, but have you really thought about what David had to go through to learn to be a harp player? A, a harp is not a guitar. A harp is big. A harp is heavy. How many times did David's mom have to tell him, you got to take that harp and drag it across to your teacher's house and get your lesson? You don't think about all the price that David had to pay to learn how to be a good harp player the gift you see the the gift when it's in operation but you don't see the development of what took place for the gift to operate at the capacity of what God could use why are you guys so quiet today it is good isn't it thanks when I'm, I'm gonna say it again because this is this is when you see a gift in the in operation in the life of someone else you don't consider the price that they paid to make that gift look effortless for what you're seeing. Thank you. There are deposits inside each of you, but those deposits have never been developed. Let me show you in the Bible. You want to read that one? In by, Second Timothy. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. If you don't develop the deposits that God has put inside of you through diligence, you will never experience the destination that God has prepared for you. We want the benefits of what the gift has to offer without the burden of the diligence of operating in that gift. That's good right there. When you get a gift, it doesn't come as a finished product. On the outside of your gift, it should say, some assembly required. Whenever we went through Christmas last year, I had no idea all the presents that Adrian bought our kids wasn't going to consume their day, it was going to consume my day. Because when she bought that dollhouse on the picture of the dollhouse, it looks like this magnificent, fun dollhouse. But when you opened up the box, the dollhouse is in a whole bunch of little pieces. And if I've got to play with the dollhouse the way that Abigail wants to play with the dollhouse, I've got to put the pieces of the dollhouse together. Some assembly is required. People have a misconception about the gifts that God has given to us. They think since they have a gift and that God has given it to them, I can operate as equal or, or better than what somebody else who operates in the same gift. The problem is you're not looking at the assembly required that they went through for their gift to operate the way that it's operating. You're trying to say, I want that lifestyle. I want to do that. But I've got to tell you, you haven't done what they've done to get to where they're at. There's a process and a progression that we have to go through, and David shows us that you've got to be diligent in what that gifting looks like. There are two realities of functioning in your gift, in your outline. Realities of the gift. You've got to understand, number one, I have a gift. Write it down. I have a gift. Some people are gifted for funny. Some people are gifted for hospitality. Some people are gifted for hosting people. Some people are gifted for communication. Some are gifted to listen and formulate a plan. Some are gifted to give money. Some are gifted to cry on demand. The second reality that you have to understand is I have to write down, I have to develop my gift. I've got to, if God has given you the gift of hospitality and you sit at home and don't invite anyone to your home, you don't develop the gift of hospitality. You have a gift, but it's not in function. If you don't practice your instrument, you have a gift, but the gift cannot be used to its fullest potential. 
If you don't put the cookies in the oven, you may learn to burn them, but eventually you will learn not to burn those things, and you've got to use the gifts that God has given you. You say, I'm not a good cook. You keep doing it until you get good at it, and God will use the gifts that he's put on the inside of you. I like funny people. I myself am not funny. You all know that I'm a very serious person. 98% of my life is very serious. It's just how I am. I love, I, I, like, I like funny people, though. My, my brother's a funny person. He can make me, he's funny, he funny looking, first of all, so that always helps the conversation whenever you start. But whenever you're funny looking, that kind of helps your funny humor. But he, I can call him on the phone and be like, Josh, I know he answered the phone, but he ain't saying nothing. And I just start laughing. Because I know he's about to say something that's going to be offensive to me. But in my house, that gets rewarded because it's funny. And if you're funny, we like you. There are some people who want the gift, but they don't understand how to operate in the gift. When my brother was in junior high, he would say something, and he just sounded like an idiot. He didn't make sense. It wasn't funny. The more he developed that gift, he was failing out of college, and all of a sudden, this guy became funny. He became a comedian. Dad's like, go to school. He started cracking up jokes, and all of a sudden, it just started working to him. Now, he gets into a conversation. You'll have 50 people, and they're all rolling around laughing because he's so funny. It didn't start out that way. He started out the annoying big brother. Now he's a funny, annoying big brother. And so he learned how to operate in his gift of humor. We look at it and say, well, I want to be funny. Are you operating in the gift of progression of becoming skilled at being humorous? I want you to have a hard look at your 2023. We're getting close to the end here. Have you asked yourself, what have I done this year to become skillful in the gift that God has put in me. We want to finish the year stronger than what we started. But did you read enough books or did you read any books? <laughs> did you step out of your comfort zone when you felt that tug of the Lord upon you? Did you develop the gifts that God has put in you? Because I want to remind you this morning, some assembly is required. That's not a negative. That's an understanding of where you're at. We all have gifts. Assembling them is required for the gift to operate the way that God wants the gift to operate. We can't look at someone else's gift and covet where they are at because you don't know what they went through to get to where they are at. You are anointed to accomplish your assignment. I can't accomplish your assignment, Alfaro. Only you can accomplish your assignment. And if I don't develop the gift on the inside of me, I can't accomplish the assignment that God's put upon my life. In verse 16 and 18, let's look at it. Will you read that real quick on the front? Um, it's, I think I did it in red. Ah, dadgummit, no, I didn't. Okay, verse 16, let's read that again. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. They were looking for someone who had developed their skill to a place where he'd be worthy enough to play before the king. Here we go, I'm gonna step on toes. Oftentimes Christians in churches think they can get themselves in a rut and say, I will pray about that. When God's saying, get out of here and go do it. 
One of the worst things I hear is God make me a soul winner, but I'm not going to go out and share my story with people. How do you develop the gift of being a soul winner if you stay in your house and don't try to go out and win souls? You won't. God, I want to play the piano like that. I want to sing like the sisters do. I want to play drums like that. But I'm not willing to put in the time, the effort, the energy to play like that. So quit looking at their gift and being covetous of that, but looking at their gift and saying, thank God they have a gift. What's my gift? And what am I going to do to get good at it? As you develop your gift, here's what happens. New opportunities will come for your gift to be used. You can't develop your gift sitting on social media all day. The only way to develop your gift is to start practicing that gift. Some of you were here those first year of the church when I was preaching. We suffered through, didn't we? We made it though, didn't we? And look, what, really, Kevin, he was at our very first service. He said, we're still suffering. He's, he's, appreciate that, Kevin. Here's what I'm learning. The more skilled I become at my gift, the more God uses my gift. Let's look at number two. I was going to run on that one for a little bit, but we're going long on time. How do we become skillful in our gift? Write down number two, operate with excellence. In verse 18b, it says, I do have that in red. You read that one? Yeah, it's the, just read the the red part of 18b. Who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. They start listing off all the things that David is good at, and the very last thing they said is what? He was a man of God. How did the people that see that God was with David? It was not because whenever he prayed, all of heaven opened up. They saw that God was with David because he was excellent at what he did. We can go home on that one. Nearly every Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, our media team gets on group text and we rip apart the sound and the video and all that stuff to make sure that we are presenting something that's excellent in quality. David got the job of playing before the king because his hands were excellent at what they were assigned to do. What happens in the church is we have Christians that we want to separate being spiritual from being skillful. (laughs) It's not important that I'm great at what I do as long as I got the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. Let me put people up here that don't know how to play the instruments and let's see how well you can get into the presence of God. You want me to tell you how I know you guys can't do it? Because when a speaker gives a feedback for two seconds, everyone's eyes. That fast, you lost the presence of God. But if we become skilled at what we are doing, what does that allow you to do? Get into the presence of God more efficiently. It's true though, isn't it? When you take people who are practicing their gift 
and they're operating in excellence, it allows others to partake of the skill of the presence of God upon your life. There is no reason what we bring before the Lord should not be the best and it should not be developed. You should not get to be running your business and think, well, because I'm a Christian, God should just build my business. No, no, no. You should become the best at your industry so you don't have to tell everybody I'm a Christian business. They see it because God's hands upon your business. And if you're not skilled at operating in your business, that will not happen for you. If you fix cars, you better do it at a reasonable rate and do it on time. If you're a mechanic, hmm. if you're an electrician, you don't charge $500 an hour just because you can. Your business is done unto God, and everything you do, we give to God, we give the best. So you do it, you keep everyone's lights on, you keep them happy, you do it on time, and you say good things. If you own a landscaping business, mow the straightest lines possible. Because all that you do, you do unto the Lord. Give God the best. Your calling will often become more clear. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I skipped pages here. Looking at the life of David in 1 Samuel, when it comes to being skillful, David operated, number one, diligence. He paid the price to become skilled. Number two, David operated with excellence. He became proficient at his skill. Number three, this is going to get all of us. If we're going to become skillful with our gift, operate number three, operate with my uniqueness. Verse 18, talking about David, who is skillful in playing a harp, a man of valor, a man of war. When you look at that verse, those two of those kind of seem like way far off from each other. You don't really think a man who's who's uh, a man known of being a man of war who's also skillful at playing a harp. <laughs> you kind of think of a, of a warrior being like a man's man, like, hey, I eat meat and potatoes and I ain't going to play that sissy instrument. I'm not a harp player. There are things in your life that don't seem to go together, but when you're following God, he will take the uniqueness of your life and use them to get you to where he can use you the most proficiently. <laughs> your calling will often become more clear because of your uniqueness. Let me show you how. David went to Saul and said, let me go fight Goliath. At this point, David had been in Saul's home playing the harp for him. He had found favor with the king. If David had not been a harp player, he would have never been in a position to have and to be where, where Saul would listen to him to go to kill the giant. So David had to operate in his unique ability to play the harp. And operating in his ability to play the harp allowed him to be in a place of connection with the king. We said it last week. The anointing will equip you. It will empower you. It will enable you to do everything that God has created you to do. God will give you everything that you need to face, every situation that you're in. But some of you have been using your, unique, your uniqueness as a barrier to not move forward. But I want to encourage you this morning, you have to learn how to operate inside of the uniqueness of how God made you. It doesn't make sense to make a warrior and a harp player, but if David never learned the harp, he would have never been able to get to the, the king to be able to take out the giant. You see what I'm saying? 
Okay, Adrienne, a couple of weeks ago, was making um, dinner or something with Matthew. And they were cooking, what? I'm not going to say anything bad. They, they were cooking carrots, and they were, they were making these carrots. You remember this, Matthew? They were making these carrots, and Matthew took some club crackers. You know, the, 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 the green box club crackers. He crumbled them up, and Adrienne's like, what are you going to do with those? He's like, I'm going to make the, the, the carrot taste better. Like, no. Those don't go with the carrots. I, Adrienne's a rule follower. So like the recipe says this, she, she stays to the recipe. This is how we've always done it, and this is what we're going to do. And Matthew takes the club crackers and throws them in the, in the pan. And Adrienne was like, well, Matthew, you're going to eat these. He's like, oh, I'm going to eat them. I'm going to eat them. And so they kept on cooking, going back. Fast forward 20 minutes, they're sitting down for dinner. And Matthew looks, he's like, these carrots are amazing. They are so good. And Adrienne's like, okay, whatever it takes for you to eat your carrots, I don't really care. And she goes over and eats one of them, and she's like, these are good. Wow. Since then, they've made them a couple of times. You know what they've done? Taking those club crackers, smash them all up, throw them on the carrots, and they go and have a good old time. A unique opportunity presented a win for him. I think sometimes this is what God does with us. I'm going to make this one, I'm going to crumble this one up a little bit and throw them over here. I'm going to take this gift, I'm going to put it on this person, they're going to go through this and they're going to go over here. And we look at it and say, that's not what the recipe is supposed to look like. And God says, I'm going to take your uniqueness of how I made you, and it's going to be better than what you imagine, and I'm going to make you want more and more and more of it, because in the uniqueness of your gift, I can operate to the fullest of who I am in your life. I made you that way, and you've got to develop the different skills that are required for you to operate in the function of that gift. God allowed me to go through that trial because he knew the next trial that was going to come was going to require more of me. I was only a harpist. I don't know how it is to be a warrior and to fight the king or to, to be in the king to, to, to hear what the king says. But as a harpist, as a man of God, as a man of good speech, a man who is prudent, wherever and however God needs to use me, he has put the anointing in me to accomplish the assignment because I became skillful in the anointing that was placed upon my life. Now I operate with excellence and it gave me a voice to the king. The thing that makes me unique makes me just right in the eyes of God. What God will do in your life, he will take the carrots and the club crackers. He will take your upbringing. He will take your current situation. He will take the things that you went to school for that you thought were going to be a career that you're not doing. He will take the broken pieces that you thought your life was over, how could you ever overcome that he will take these things? He will take the uniqueness of these things. The Bible says that God works all things together for those who love him. If you learn to operate in the uniqueness of how your life has turned out, God will take the unique different aspects of your life and put them all together so you can take down your giant. In chapter 16, God needed a harpist. In chapter 17, God needed a warrior. In verse 21, read, read verse 21 and 22. 
And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. In your notes, write this down. God will arrange every experience of my life to serve his purpose if I will embrace it. God will use every experience of my life to serve his purpose if I will embrace it. The good ones, the bad ones, the happy ones, the sad ones. The stuff that seems so meaningless whenever you are going through it. The times of wonder and confusion. Why is this happening to me? Why did I have to go through this? God, are you even there? I've had those conversations. God, if you really do exist, I need some proof. Those times of wonder, those times of, why, 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 why? This doesn't make sense. Last thing in your notes. God can only work through what I can work on. We want God to bypass the burdens in our life, but God wants those burdens you are facing to become the very aspect that makes you unique. In that uniqueness, God can use you to fulfill your purpose. Why is my family so messed up? Why every time I go out in the road, there's four cars waiting for me and I can't cross the line? Why, 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 why? I don't understand. God, I tithed, I gave, I went to church occasionally because none of you have been here every Sunday except for me and Adrienne. Why do these things keep happening? Oh, I think maybe you guys have been here almost every Sunday. Why do we go through so many things and we don't think the God of this universe can't over control all these things and use it for his good? You belittle your God based upon your experience of who God's been in your life. And so what happens is we want to take down the giant. And as we learned last week, it was David in the field that learned how to take down the bear and the lion. In the field, you get fit for the fight. But if you don't become skilled while you're in the fight, God can't use you to take down the giant. If the bear and the lion would have came and David would have been a coward and ran off the other way, he would have never been skillful to take down the giant. He would have never had the confidence to take down the giant. Some of you are trying to say, I want to take down a giant, and you haven't even taken down the small little thing that's in your life. We all want to be giant killers because that's awesome. That's where the glory's known. That's where everyone hears the story. We all want to take down the giant, but you haven't taken down your porn addiction. You haven't taken down the bad attitude that every time you stub your toe, you cuss. You haven't taken down the small little things in your life that God keeps allowing you to go through to teach you something And you keep saying, God, why do I have to keep going through this? And God's in there saying, I don't know. I'm trying to give you the element of getting out. You keep choosing to go through it. 
Stop going through the same thing over and over and over. I've got a bigger giant that I need you to face. The lion's too small for you. We've got to become skilled at growing through the things in our life that we have to grow through. If you embrace it, God will use it. If you become skilled at it, God will anoint you in it. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K, dot com, Send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.